0: This is the Healthcare Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. No industry, including sick care, can be fixed from inside. For Every one hour
1: that they spend on patient care, they're spending up to two hours on EHR data entry.
0: Right, welcome into the podcast today. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and joining me today is Samir Manjore. He's the CEO of Kensai. Samir, thank you so much for joining me today, sir. Pleasure to be here, Tyler. Absolutely, so we're talking about AI in the healthcare space, um, and we're going to dive into a lot more of what that means and some of the applications of it, um, but I wanted to start off by just initially talking uh, to Samir, because you're also one of the co-founders of Kensai Samir, so w- what initially drew you to this healthcare space, and uh, and why did you decide to uh, to kind of focus your efforts in on AI in healthcare?
1: Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Prior to starting Kensai, I was at Microsoft and I played various different roles, mostly around technology, grew up through the ranks, um, really building core pieces of platforms for enterprises, machine learning, data science. And I was at a stage where I really wanted to kind of do something which would have a meaningful impact on the society at large. And I was looking at education, healthcare as the two key verticals. And within that, I was very fortunate to pair up with my other co-founder who was doing research in this space and just, you know, we looked at healthcare and there was so many, just as a vertical, it was so underserved. And that is the reason we decided to kind of, you know, go and start this and use data science in a way Uh, that can benefit the society at large.
0: When you initially started, did you experience any pushback from the healthcare community? Are people nervous or scared of new technology like AI entering into that space? Or were they when when you when you first started out?
1: Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, the journey has been a fascinating journey and we have learned a lot. We have been humbled throughout the journey and we have always, you know, incorporated those learnings back into our offerings as well as you know how we operate so when we started it, it's it's you know the it was still at a very nascent stage uh, 3 4 years ago the question was more around the why why do we need machine learning why do we need ai and you know is this going to replace human beings is this going to replace us who have spent decades you know uh, doing uh, mastering this craft and those were all very valid questions, right? So uh, the, the, the conversation was more around why. And fast forward to today, that conversation has mostly shifted to how. Uh, how can AI help us versus why? And you know that has been really the, uh, the, the key things that we are observing as we talk to large uh, leading systems in US as well as outside.
0: How did you answer that why question in a way that was satisfactory to people in the healthcare space at the time?
1: Yeah, and this has been, you know, uh, for folks who are listening to this, this has been perhaps the most important thing that everybody who is entering into healthcare should understand. There are folks in healthcare who have spent decades mastering their craft, whether it is, you know, nurses and caregivers, or whether it is physicians who have spent decades studying about medicine. Um, there is no way software can replace the intuition and the expertise that's, that these people bring to the uh, to the fore, as well as the empathy that is needed to serve the patients on the other end, right? So very quickly we realize that AI, as it stands for artificial intelligence, doesn't work in the way it, sh- it, it might work for some other traditional industries for healthcare we have actually pivoted to talking about AI more as assistive intelligence. Our strong thesis is that we are here to help build stuff in a way that assists the human the experts in the loop and technology here is to make that intuition better to help them with data to help them in a way that they can uh, serve the patients their customers better and so just going from that artificial intelligence to assistive intelligence has been an amazing amazing ride and uh, we have met such amazing individuals as part of this journey and and had the privilege to learn from them
0: yeah, I think a lot of people, when they think of AI you know, in a traditional sense, you know, as an artificial intelligence sense, they think of it as something that replaces human beings in certain jobs rather than assists. And so in this case, you know, by giving doctors and, and healthcare care providers as much information as possible, not only are you not replacing them, but it, it seems that you're enhancing the ability, their ability to do their job.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and you know, it's If you look at the current system, right, there is a huge physician burnout, right? If you think about um, the number of things that the physicians and the caregivers have to do in terms of entering the data into EMR and bunch of other things. So uh, since the passage of meaningful use in 2008, there have been, I mean, the, the burden on the caregivers and the physicians have just increased tremendously. So a lot of data has been collected but that data is not being used to actually inform intelligent decisions. And that is where we come in. We sit on top of the systems of record, whether it is EMR systems, whether it's claims, whether it's psychosocial factors that you have accumulated, any kind of data sets. And we mine that data to help inform Decisions whether they are in the care spectrum cost or operational spectrum and do it in such a way That it becomes integral to the workflow That the caregivers and physicians already have because giving one more dashboard One more analytic tool to physicians is only going to increase their burnout They have no time to click on one more chart and try to understand it. So it has to be provided to them in a way that they can consume without any friction and that helps them become more productive as well as uh, further their intuition that they have already formed about some of the patients or otherwise and that aspect is what we term as assistive intelligence applied AI and we the goal is to solve the problem it's not about the beauty of the algorithm or it's not about how sexy the uh, machine learning is behind the scenes it's about at the end of the day can this be useful to saving lives and making an impact in the patient's uh, uh, care, care procedures right so as long as we can serve that and our technology is in the backbone without being even surfaced in that way to the caregivers uh, we feel that 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 is success to us
0: As you developed the tool and the assistive intelligence, were you able to, throughout that process, get feedback from doctors and nurses and and healthcare providers on, you know, what information is most beneficial and how to best provide that information at crucial times so that it, it integrated seamlessly into their workflow and didn't add an extra step that they didn't have time for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, healthcare is a team sport. It is... We absolutely go into the engagements, looking to bring the best practices that we have seen and what machine learning and data science can do. Uh, but we are there to serve the physicians and the caregivers so that they can care better for the patients uh, or provide better care for the patients. Uh, so it is a it is a very closely knit partnership. Uh, we are not a kind of a tech vendor who will come in and say, look, here are the 20 things you need to do. The doctors know that better. The the care, the, the, the folks who are on the front line have done so much work, they're so overwhelmed, they know exactly what needs to happen. Uh, so the tools need to come in and give that, uh, further their intuition. So I'll give you an example. We don't just bring out like, here are the high risk stratifiers, or here is a person who is at a high risk of readmission. But what we do is we actually break that down into components based on the encounter history, based on the vitals, based on the labs and whatnot, and provide very specific points of what is called explainable AI in the background. Uh, but we present it in a way that these are the five factors that perhaps you should consider as you are looking at uh, the risk of the patient uh, or you know the, the high risk uh, uh, patients that have been stratified by our software. So what what that does is it implicitly uh, establishes a partnership model uh, with the people caring for the patients as well as honestly on the back end side with the IT folks. And that partnership is very critical uh, to the success of making artificial intelligence, in our case, assistive intelligence, uh, very, very important and uh, being a catalyst to kind of, you know, uh, provide that uh, additional lift in terms of how we care for patients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, what are some of the unique ways then that AI can be used in healthcare that does uh, benefit patients? You know, and in the end, help save lives and helps uh, improve the jobs that doctors are are able to do. Yeah, so,
1: you know, uh, we mine the data. So I'll, I'll describe a little bit of what the system does and the kinds of use cases that we go after. Um, so we mine the data from EMR. Uh, so various EMRs, which have, you know, the encounter data for the patients, the prescriptions, bunch of other data sets, uh, also in a longitudinal way. So we ingest all of that. We also ingest claims. We ingest uh, psychosocial factors, etc. cetera and the idea so healthcare if you are if you see is almost like a walled garden there are various data sets that are available in different parts and our job is to bring those data sets together mine them make them ready for machine learning and then provide very specific applied insights that can be ingested back into the workflow for three types of scenarios scenario one is care management scenario so these are you know looking at disease progression models who are the pre-diabetics who have a higher propensity to turn into diabetics over time um, who are the high risk uh, patients who are likely to develop an adverse event for CHF uh, congestive heart failure and so on right so there are a whole set of care scenarios around disease progression disease management and so on then there are very simple operational scenarios like who is going to show up uh, how many people are going to show up in my emergency department who is going to leave without being seen after they have shown up uh, how if they get admitted how long will they stay how do we predict the length of stay of a patient and so on so that that entire care continuum predicting various kinds of operational events before they happen so that you can actually optimize for the care of the patients as well as the capacity uh, uh, that you know is available to the various beds and uh, in in the system and then the third uh, set of uh, use cases are more around cost Uh, who are my high predicted beneficiaries and uh, how can I stratify them better uh, in a predictive manner so that I can actually look at them and do something about it Uh, before a bad event or an adverse event happens uh, in their lives so again we do very very uh, applied things Uh, there are two types of companies uh, who do machine learning Uh, first type is people who are using data science and making larger claims around curing cancer with data science and then there are companies like us who are very applied we are solving today's problems and making an impact for the provider organization or the payer organization on all the three pivots i mentioned today Uh, and we are more of the second type of company we pride ourselves on doing basic things but more applied something that can make an impact on the patient's lives today
0: so walk me through a scenario then of um, the kind of data that would be collected that would then maybe help predict congestive heart failure in uh, uh, in a particular patient, and you know how does the doctor receive that information and then and then use it in a real life scenario?
1: Yeah, no, very good question. And so you know, before I answer that question, I'll also kind of you know draw out. If you think about where healthcare is and where other verticals are, right? If you if you think about your experience with let's say netflix if you watch few movies there are certain data points that can col- get collected by netflix and netflix can predict what is the next movie you should watch or you are more likely to watch or you would enjoy watching right so with just very few data points they can start making inferences about your patterns etc um, similarly you know if you look at google if you do searches they can intent mine uh, the search and show you what kind of ads you are most likely to click on and show those top three ads to you and so on, right? With very little information. And here we are in healthcare where we have data of the patient, not just for this encounter, but the longitudinal history of the last 10 years, let's say for that patient, um, all organized nicely in a structured fashion, including their labs, vitals, their demographics. Uh, the, the kind of drugs that they are taking etc etc right so when you have the sea of data you should be able to do a lot more and that is why I said in the beginning that healthcare is very underserved from that point because the accumulation of data has own like our digitization of that data has happened mostly in the last decade and also there are more financial incentives and various uh, policy and reforms that have gone in that are now forcing this industry to kind of you know act on that data and do things uh, that would you know uh, make it uh, it, it, the financial incentives are there also to kind of you know make use of this data so that uh, a it helps Uh, with the outcomes but also saves cost in return for some of these entities so that can be diverted back to you know better and better programs so to answer your question again in terms of the data that comes in for the various kinds of encounters has is very rich. It is it has every possible dimension for that encounter available we ingest that data most of the times this data also has a lot of quality issues so we there is an automated data quality process that happens and then it gets transformed into uh, what we call feature vectors that are used by our models to predict for a particular target outcome. In this case, it could be uh, either a risk of readmission for a congestive heart failure patient that you were talking about, or it could be how is the the current disease going to progress for this patient longitudinally over the next two years and being able to not just predict, but also provide possible factors uh, that can assist, again, the physician who is caring for this patient to be available um, in the workflow that they are used to. Uh, And and there is a lot of work that goes on to make that last mile happen so that um, it's almost like, you know, our 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 technology is like electricity. You don't see the electricity; you see the light and you see the uh, fan in the room. But it is the electricity that is powering some of those things. And so we pride ourselves in being the back backbone. But the insights from those are provided back into the workflow where the physicians can then see those things and actually act on it, as well as provide the feedback back to us saying this. Uh, these insights don't make sense or make sense and that that input goes back into the learning models so again we are here to assist we are not here to tell the physicians what they should do but it is more of an assistive tool Uh, it's a decision support tool that helps them guide uh, or or, uh, you know help them kind of inform the art of possible versus telling them that hey this is what they should do
0: you mentioned there just that uh, with the, the various, uh, I guess, methods of keeping records that it has changed over time. And I'm wondering just how the various methods that people have used to keep, uh, to keep data um, and to store it has made things maybe challenging for you uh, or, or at least presented a, a, a hurdle that you've had to overcome when it comes to collecting and then compiling data.
1: Yeah, I mean the data uh, organization hasn't changed per se. What has happened is uh, the mandate from the government with the meaningful use has been you have to digitize data. You know, so even for example, if you remember, like maybe fifteen years ago, the pharmacy scripts were all handwritten, and now if you go to a doctor. You basically they, they will just ask you which pharmacy do you use and they will directly send the prescription to the pharmacy and you go and pick it up and it's all digitized right so a lot of those things uh, including the digitization of the patient records has happened uh, in the last decade or so the, the the way the data was already being stored in a certain way uh, so that has not changed it has it has just evolved in terms of there is more data now Lot more fields, lot more encounters, lot more systems, as well as uh, there are also data sets that have moved beyond the EMR. Um, so you know there are patient-generated data sets, there are genomics data sets, there are many such different things that are outside of the EMR. And as the care is moving out of the hospital into um, various other places, uh, the there are other sets of data that are getting generated. So the goal goal is to, you know, how do you take these data sets that are petabyte scale and bring them together in a very smart way so that you can thread those data sets together and make sense of that patient on the whole as a 360. And then apply analytics on top of it so that you can get the best possible Uh, insights about that person and those insights should then inform what is the best possible care uh, path uh, for this person uh, in future
0: absolutely well i love what you're doing and i love just that mindset shift that you have from artificial intelligence to assistive intelligence and not trying to replace doctors but enhancing what they're able to do and uh, and to assist and i I think that that's uh, a fantastic goal and i think you guys are doing great work so samir manjure the ceo of kensai thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast
1: thank you so much